Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. At this moment, um, I want to have Miss Roxanne Binion come. In case, in case you didn't see her. Because she shared um, a testimony with me yesterday or yet the day before? Day before. Day before yesterday? No. Or no, it was last week. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> Friday, last week. We, we, if we do this together, we'll, we'll, we'll arrive at the right place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, and I said, would you please share this with the church? I just, you've got to hear this. It's beautiful. For everybody that knows, Charlie was supposed to have surgery um, the 26th of uh, February for open heart. Uh, his aorta valve is 78% closed, and his tricuspid valve won't close. So in order to have this surgery, we had to do a neurosurgeon um, clearance. So um, I called everywhere to get him in because we only had like two weeks to get him in and get him cleared. So I talked to my doctor that I work for, and he said, um, hold on just a second. So he called his friend, Dr. McNucci, and that was on a Thursday, and they said, be there at 10 o'clock Friday morning. He's got a neurosurgeon appointment. So we went down there, and he said, okay, we're going to do an um, an MRI of his neck and his head. So uh, we went downstairs, and while we was down there, we pulled up all the healing scriptures, and we started praying out loud and reading these scriptures. People look at you really funny. Um, Anyhow, so we did the MRI, and they sent us home, and we went back on Wednesday to see Dr. McNucci. And when we walked in the office, he said, I got bad news. Charlie has a brain aneurysm. So we got to fix that before we do the heart. And my heart went down to my toenails. I thought, oh, dear. He said, but I want to do a CT angiogram on him this afternoon, and then we'll set up the surgery. So we went downstairs to the imaging, and we read these healing scriptures again. And... So they told us we could come back the next day. We went back the next day. He come out of surgery to talk to us, didn't even close the door, and he said, I've got good news. There is no brain aneurysm. It's gone. (laughs) So we come home, and um, they sent all the records to the surgeon. And a quarter to five, they called me and say, we're going to postpone his surgery because I'm going out of town, so we're going to do it March the 15th. Um, I think when we go there, I'm believing that that um, blockage is over with and the tricuspid valve is working. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise Thank God. You. <laughs> Amen. We're standing with you in faith. Believe in God. Anything's possible with our God. Anything. There's nothing too hard for Him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, and uh, Lynn's sister is going in for surgery in the morning. Who else needs prayer for healing in this way? Anyone? Anyone need prayer? Your sister-in-law? Okay, Lord, we thank you right now. We just speak the word. The word of the living God. Our Savior 
in the same afternoon that blood was shed for our sins, stripes were laid on his back for our healing. And we thank you, Lord, that you endured such a horrific, horrific beating at that Roman scourge so that you could release to us healing. And we thank you for that. We, we will say what the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. We thank you that these lives are redeemed from destruction. We thank you, Father, for healing, springing forth speedily in their bodies. We declare that by his stripes they are healed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for good report, the report of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Ms. Roxanne, for sharing that with us tonight. We're very excited for you, Brother Charlie. And for those that are listening by podcast, you don't know who Charlie is, but you do know who he is because he's the man you hear say amen quite frequently throughout every one of the messages. So there he is. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we've got a few minutes to get some word to you. Um, we've started um, in this book a couple of weeks ago, and on Wednesday nights, as you know, we get to know the Bible, and um, we've walked through several books of the Bible throughout the years, and uh, this is one we're coming back to. It's been several years ago. Dad and I actually did this series together, I don't know, eight, ten years ago in the book of Colossians, and so coming back to revisit it, it's so powerful. And this, this book is, um, you can see a lot of similarities between Ephesians and Colossians, as I've talked to you about that. I mean, they're sisters, and, and the, so much of the material is almost word for word. You can see several verses, and I, I can show that to you sometime and give you the verses so you can reference them and look. It's really awesome. Now, Paul talked about... Um, you know, in, in history, they believe that a letter that was written to the Laodicean church was actually lost. Um, but I've just heard something recent I thought was kind of interesting. Um, another thought on this that um, this scholar believes that it's a possibility. He wasn't saying that this is absolute. I mean, how can we really know? But he said, I think there's good evidence to suggest that actually the book of Ephesians is that lost letter to Laodicea. And because of its, its proximity to Colossians, uh, the, the, in, in material, in, um, in, in what he wrote to these churches and then offered these churches to share with one another, because Ephesians opened with such a broad statement uh, that to those saints in Ephesus, so Ephesus was made up of several places, and Laodicea was one of those. So it's possible that that letter may not have ever been lost, maybe it just misunderstood exactly uh, where it was addressed to, all right? So kind of a, just something to think about, things that make you wonder. Uh, but we're in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's look at this. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now remember what is unique about this letter to the Colossians is that Paul is writing to people who, had never, who he had never met. Um, and, and Romans is the same way. He had not met the Christians in Rome, um, that he, the, many of those in the churches in Rome that were uh, 
assembled together. He had not seen them face to face. So he hadn't been here to Colossae or Laodicea. But I want to back up to chapter 1 for a moment and, and help us see something. We're going to kind of bounce around this, this book. I mean, it's only four chapters, but there's a lot of things that you've got to pull from different places to tie together different thoughts, okay? Uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Next. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. So he's telling them that, I mean, I haven't seen you, but I've heard about you. And I've heard about your faith. And I've heard about uh, your love for the saints. A report has come back to me, all right? Verse 2 of chapter 2. And their, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. Man, Paul can put, put, put some words together, can he? All right? And attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, which we talked about from chapter 1. Remember that mystery that was hidden throughout the ages that is no longer a mystery. That mystery has been revealed, and Paul said, I have that ministry to give. And that, ministry, that mystery is Christ in you. Specifically, Christ in you Gentiles. That God would not only redeem Israel, but He would redeem Gentiles. That was, that was locked up a long time. Centuries and centuries, nobody saw the Gentiles being part heirs or co-heirs in the kingdom of God. So God had this locked away in his heart for a long time. And so even when Jesus told the disciples uh, in Matthew 28 and gave them the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, they did not think at that time, they did not know that included Gentiles. They had no idea. Because their mission was his mission. When Jesus came, he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So as far as they knew, that just meant to all of the Jews all over the world. Gentiles weren't even in the picture yet, not until we get to Acts chapter 10, and God has to show Peter this vision, remember, three different times as he's sitting on Simon the Tanner's roof down in Joppa, and he sees all those four-footed animals and beasts of everything, uh, everything that's not kosher, right? And God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Lord, I, I can't eat that. I'm a Jew. Don't you remember who I am? And he says, don't call common what I've cleansed. So now a new revelation has come. And so then Peter ended up at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, and that's where we find the first Gentile convert was in Acts chapter 10. And then it was realized that this gospel is to all the world. And that's uh, Paul, uh, the Lord had called Saul of Tarsus specifically to the Gentiles in chapter 9, but he used Peter, the head of the church at the time, to open that door to authenticate that is a real ministry from God to go to the Gentiles. And so then God ushered Paul through that door. And so then Paul brings this mystery to us, this message, for us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, brings this gospel to all of us, and all of us can be saved by believing that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Aren't you grateful for all of that good news? Hmm? The gospel is Christ, Christ, Christ. Praise God. And, but look at this, that you attain to the full assurance of understanding. The full assurance. See, it is the will of God for you and I to know and to have understanding. It is, and, to be, and not only to have understanding, but to have an assurance of our understanding. I love that. To have an assurance or a confidence, I know this to be true. 
This isn't something I'm guessing. This is something that has been revealed to me by God. This the knowledge of the mystery of God. It's extraordinary. How is it that you get understanding? How is it that you get this knowledge? Well, it follows faith always. Remember, this, this uh, revelation, this knowledge that God wants all of us to experience, His knowledge, because remember what He said. He kind of threw out this bait, if you will, and said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, here God is showing the great contrast of how great he is and how dumb we are. We are but dust. That's not what God's doing. He's in, it's an invitation. My ways are higher. Come up here, let me show you a new way. My thoughts are higher. Let me show you a higher thought a new thought. But that's not going to come to us apart from faith in Him. Knowledge and understanding, these things follow faith. See, God will not allow us first to reason here into salvation. It don't work like that. You can repent all day long. Repenting don't save you. Believing saves you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you live a life of repentance. What does repentance mean? Oh, God, I'm not worthy. Is that what repentance means? I was taught that when I was growing up. you got to be sorry. So sorry. God knows when you're not sincere, so you got to prove it to him. And so we tried our best, and we just cried loud and wept loud and not a whole lot of change going on, though. And then I learned what repentance actually means. Change your mind. Oh, man, you know, see, that's the thing. Because the moment you hear that, when you really hear what it means, that means you're responsible. Change your mind. Oh, it's on me. I got to make that change. Okay. Well... Changing a, 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 an unbeliever, an unrighteous person changing their mind doesn't really change anything. If one ceases to sin, he is still not made righteous. Hmm? Because it's not the action, it's the condition of the man that has to get fixed. The action is just the symptom to the real problem. By one man's sin, death came to all of us. See, Adam brought that to you. You're born this way. Amen. But praise God, God brought a new cure, a way out of that. You can be born again and get a righteous condition now in Christ. So now righteousness is something that you fruit. Amen. Why did I say all that? I don't know. But, oh, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Okay, so God has revealed this to us. So it is His will that you and I see, have an understanding. But this starts, understanding starts at faith. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. You know, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17 says, for in it, in what? In the gospel, watch, the righteousness is of God is revealed from faith to faith. See, revelation comes through faith. Knowledge, understanding come once you believe. And it's revealed from faith to faith. So what does that mean from faith to faith? That means 
from the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you become a child of God by the miracle of rebirth. But then, faith to live by. From that initial faith for salvation to faith that you're walking by every day. And in this, when you stay in faith, when you continue to believe, then you, you are giving yourself continual access to this knowledge and the assurance of this knowledge. The riches of the full assurance of the knowledge of God. It's glorious. Let, look at verse 18 for a moment too. It's okay if we go a little deeper tonight. Okay, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. All right, so what he's saying is there is already a revelation that's evident in the world. It's already revealed from heaven. That is God's intolerance of sin, right? God told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat that fruit, you're going to surely die, right? And when death came, all of its ugly cousins came with it. Sickness and disease, uh, poverty, all those kinds of things. But watch, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, I want us to jump over, uh, Brooke, if you'll bring that other, is that Brooke? Yes. Uh, yes, Colossians 1, 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your, where? In your mind by wicked works. See, the unbeliever, an unbeliever, and maybe, maybe um, you can remember that old life, hopefully not too much of it, but you can remember how you felt, like when you thought of God, what did you think? What kind of thoughts were in your head about him? Did you see someone who was distant or angry? Did you feel this, this distance from him, this voice? See, it's that, that wrath of God is revealed against all that, and so that's what the unbeliever continually feels. And so they're going to respond to that many different ways. Many of them are going to act out. They're going to suppress that truth and unrighteousness and continue to justify and to make excuses for why they are who they are and why they do what they do. Because all they have revealed to them is wrath. See, that's why they need the gospel. So that they can hear that the wrath is gone. The wrath is satisfied in His Son. Jesus bore the wrath of God against all of our sin. So that a revelation now can come, see? Now they can get a new revelation of God. Of God. That is that God is on your side. He's not angry anymore. Are you catching this? But what, an, what, what a shame for that to be the truth, and yet they're living in what used to be before Christ came. All they know is the wrath. All they sense is the wrath. All that's revealed to them is wrath, but it's not until they hear the good news that they can come out of that and get a new revelation. They're enemies in their minds by their own wicked works, but now Jesus has fixed this deal in the body of his flesh and now to present us holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Isn't this marvelous? See, Jesus made all the difference. He is the greatest difference. That's why we don't make comparisons to what was a, oh, uh, uh, I guess I'm learning what Job did. Hey, dummy. I mean, I love you, but you're dumb. Job didn't have what you have. See, he didn't have what he said, I don't have a mediator. I don't have a man who can stand with one hand on the shoulder of God and the other hand on my shoulder and plead my case. 
my family, you do. You do. John says, if, if, if anyone does sin, I write these things so that you don't, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. We have a high priest that can be touched with the very feelings of our infirmities, who sympathizes us with us in our weaknesses, and was all in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, we can come boldly now before the throne of grace. Why? Not because we're so good, but because Jesus is so good. Amen. We couldn't earn this bold position before God. Who do we think we are? I mean, think about how awful that looks to anyone who is a bit religious in their life. You can't just barge into the throne room. Yeah, that's what God said to do. He said, come boldly before. This, these are his terms. I didn't make up these terms. These are his terms. Everything about me wants to crawl. <gasps> that's how I feel like my access should be. But he says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because all of our confidence is in his son. There is a man, my family, tonight, let me remind you, there is a man seated next to Almighty God, a man who is God. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's there interceding for us at this very moment. Praise God. And his blood is speaking better things than that of, of even Abel, because Abel's was about uh, uh, needing to be avenged, injustice, but Jesus' blood was all about redemption and forgiveness. Praise God. And as long as that man is seated next to his father, at the right hand of the throne of God, then we all have hope because he's there for us. He's there for us. This is the revelation that people need to get so that they can come out of a revelation of a wrathful God into the revelation of a reconciling God. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. I know. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So this revelation, knowledge and understanding, comes through faith. Now, to those who don't understand this, you, as, as Roxanne said, you sound crazy. In a moment like that, when they get this report, what do they do? They go right to the Scripture. They open up the Word of God and see what God has to say about this situation. And anyone that's in earshot of that, that doesn't have that revelation, doesn't have that knowledge, is going, It's foreign. It's so foreign. And, and, and then to our friends who are, are very religious, I like to call them unbelieving believers. They believe for salvation, but they think everything else passed away. They don't walk by faith to receive all that God has for us. And they would see you as somebody walking by faith as very arrogant because they don't have the understanding. They think that by doing things, by performing right, that's how you get from God. When we gave up on ourselves a long time ago in that world, we said, no, Jesus performed right for me. My faith is in him, not in myself. And his performance was flawless. So flawless that God said, you know what? I'll give you anything. I love that. His performance was so flawless and so thorough that God credited, man, this is, this is really something. Get this for just a moment. If Adam's sin credited all of you 
as sinners. What did Jesus' righteousness do? Hmm? It credited you with his righteousness. This isn't your righteousness. This is his righteousness. So here's, here's the reality of the spirit, of who you really are. You are just as righteous as Jesus. God, if the church could wake up to that reality, if we'd stop going around saying, well, I'm just an old sinner, saved by grace. No, you're not. Being a sinner is one thing. Being saved by grace is a whole other experience. Because the longer you say, I'm just an old sinner, well, guess what? That's what you're going to be. Right? You get it by what? How many of you have been coming on Sunday morning? Huh? Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. <laughs> else, I love all that. Good. That's what I'm saying. That's what people don't understand. They say, ah, it's one of those name it. That's that health and wealth gospel. Okay, well, you don't have to have any of it. I don't care. That's fine. Why you got to get all over me about it? Just because I want all that God has for me. Why is that an issue? You know why it's an issue? Because in their hearts, they're crying out for that, and they're hoping to God it's true. But everything in their religious thinking keeps them from it. Mm, if people get, just get set free from that religious thinking. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. You guys went way too, are y'all like ready to go or something? All right. A few more minutes. So what, is it, what does that tell us? By understanding that he wants us to have the full assurance. Full assurance of understanding of this knowledge. Enjoying the riches of the full assurance. That means that God really isn't hiding anything from us. He's not hiding anything from you. Let's look at verse 3, Colossians 2. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, now you're thinking, well, you just contradicted yourself. No, no, no. Look at this. In whom? Not from you are hidden, but in whom? Who's the whom? Him. In whom, in him, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So how in the world are we going to access that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Chapter 3, verse 3. Just one chapter over on the same verse. Chapter 3, look at this. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what that means is where you are, so is the wisdom and knowledge. You're in the very same place because you're in Him and it's in Him. You understand? So all those who are in Him have revelation. You have wisdom at your disposal. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. Right? So those who are on the outside cannot get this wisdom until they get on the inside. Oh, that's good. You have access to all of it. They're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you and with you. Amen. And he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. So search him out. Search him out. Dig deep into him. And he will continually reward you. Verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. 
as you have, as you therefore, I should say, have received, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? By faith. So walk in him. So you received him by faith, and so you will walk in him by faith, 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 faith. All right, I have to excuse me. Verse 7. Watch this, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in faith. Rooted and built up in him and established in, how important is it? How important is faith? How important is it? It's everything to our Christian life. It's everything to our Christian existence because faith works by love. Faith works by love. So here's the deal. You need to first understand that He loves you. You need to first understand that He loves you. Have that revelation that, yeah, He loved the world, but when you make it personal and say, He loves me, I want you to say that God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And so now your faith in Him is not something you're having to try to perform or try to build up. You... You're flowing. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. Those who are weighed down with life and, and performance. Hey, listen, let me make an exchange with you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, man, this is good. As you have been rooted and built up and established in faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. One last thought. Who taught them? He's never been there. Who taught the Colossians? I mean, they were a good teacher because Paul says, we're hearing about your faith and your love for the saints. And he says, as you've been taught, who's been teaching them? Paul didn't go there. Somebody was teaching these people. It's good to know. All right. I'm going to show you. Chapter 1, verse 5. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So someone came and preached the gospel to them, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. Now you have to understand there weren't a lot of preachers preaching to the Gentiles at this time. Almost none. Paul's the, the guy and he's training up guys. He's going around preaching wherever he can. I mean, he has to take three different missionary journeys because it's so rare. It's the beginning of the gospel for us. Now watch, verse 6, which is, oh, verse 7. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. So Epaphras, oh, look, look, at, look at 412, and you'll see what happened here. Chapter 4, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. This is so beautiful. So apparently Epaphras had come up to um, one of those other cities from Colossae and heard this man Paul preach and got fired up about what he was preaching about. He gets converted and he goes back home and he starts telling everybody about Jesus. I love the kind of message he preached too. It says, because of the hope that is laid up for you. 
You heard about this in the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is a message of hope. It's not a message of condemnation. It's not a message of you're going to burn in hell. If you don't believe on him, hell is a reality, no doubt about it. All right? But the gospel's good news. The gospel's good news. Listen, people are already living enough bad news. All right? The gospel elevates us. It gives us something to hope in, actual good news that doesn't have fine print, doesn't have a clause. Like so many of my friends who are out there preaching and feel like they have to give a clause to the gospel. God is good, but you got to toe the line. Like they have to balance this good news some way when, when, when that's... That's not allowed. Because then that, that causes us to be confused and to believe on Jesus and to believe on us for our righteousness. It's all faith in Him. Huh? It's all our faith is in Him. Hmm? All other ground is sinking sand. We have a lot to talk about in this chapter. I... I not tonight, because we're about to get into um, some really good verses where he took the handwriting requirements out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And I cannot wait to do that, but we don't have time for that tonight. But along with some of the interesting facts about this book and the, the history and the, the setting, the date and all that, I think all those things are fun to talk about. But the revelation that is in this book Colossians, these four chapters, really shows us the preeminence and the superiority of the Lord Jesus Christ, really like no other book does. It's quite extraordinary how it talks about when it describes him being the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're completing him. And we'll get, we'll get more into that, but I hope this has encouraged you tonight. You've learned a few things, and uh, we'll jump back into this next Wednesday. No, we won't, because the youth are taking over. But I have a feeling it's going to be good. Hey, listen, prayer is important, but prayer alone won't get them to camp. Prayer and money. Prayer and your support. So come ready to, to bless our teens and get these kids to camp because every year we see marvelous things happen in these teenagers' lives. They have special encounters with God. Some of them get saved. Some of them get filled with the Spirit. Some of them get healed. Some, you know, all kinds of wonderful things happen. So we want to bless them. Amen. Have you been blessed tonight? Good. Let's stand together. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's do what David said and offer up the evening sacrifice of, by lifting our hands tonight. Lifting our hands and giving thanksgiving to Him. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we offer up our hands to you in praise. We offer up our hands to you in worship tonight. It's, how, it's a, a way that we can express that we're looking upward. We're reaching upward. And thank you, Father, for what you've done for us through your dear Son. That Christ became a curse for us so that we would be blessed. That Jesus became wounded so that we could be healed. What an exchange. That Jesus became poor, so that we could become rich. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord, that Jesus became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. 
that Jesus, the Son of God, became the Son of Man so that we, the sons of men, could become sons of God. Thank you, Lord, for that great exchange that our life is in you now. And in you, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. In you, we find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding that are so readily available to us who will seek them out, who will believe you, God. And as we walk by faith, you continue to show us your goodness. You, you, you continue to show us who you are in greater ways, in greater measure, Lord, so that we become completely enamored and completely captivated and enraptured with you, Lord. Because the closer we get to you, Lord, the, the grayer and, and muckier this world looks. And Lord, the more we understand, the more we look forward to and, and have an awareness that we are citizens not of this world. We are citizens of a kingdom that has no end. Hallelujah. Thank you. That's who we really are. That's our real home. So, Father, I thank you that your people experience heavenly experiences here on earth. As Jesus said, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let it be so in our lives. Let it be so in our spouses' lives. Let it be so in the lives of our children. Let it be so, Lord, wherever we go, that we, Lord, would emanate the blessing of God, that we would bring with us as believers, signs and wonders would follow, Lord, so that we can minister the love and grace of God. Not only that, but the power of Almighty God, the supernatural power to show this world that a Christian life is a different life. It is one that has God involved. It is one that has a real God with a real power, with real help right now. Thank you, Father God, for blessing your people as they go from here tonight. They will be blessed in their going out, just like they've been blessed in their coming in. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I thank you, Lord, for the peace of God to rest upon every home. And when they go home tonight and they shut out the lights and they lay down on their pillow tonight, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. And when they rise in the morning, they will rise with a song in their heart and thanksgiving on their lips. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.